the red flag flying here. On Socialist Think Tank 9, and we are talking to Julie, Helen, and Owen from the Say No to Hassock Field campaign. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to get a little bit of background on the campaign, um, what's planned, um, you know, what happens with the, what the Home Affairs Office thinks about things. Um, and we've also taken live comments in the chat. So if anyone wants to chat to us, I've got the live comments box up here and they'll come up on your screen in real time. Um, so I'd like to ask Owen, so could you give us a little bit of a background and um, where you are now and what your plans are for the future for the campaign? I'll try and be brief because it's quite a lot. But um, so the, the campaign started um, formally at the end of January um, when a lot of things happened. So um, Richard Holden, obviously the unfortunate Tory MP for North West Durham, um, posted on his Facebook page saying that there's going to be this brand new centre, lots of jobs, all this kind of stuff coming forward um, at the Hassfield site. Um, bringing with it all of the connotations that have gone, uh, gone previously. So as everyone knows, um, Medham City Detention Centre was there previously and when it closed uh, late 80s, early 90s, um, it was left empty until the early 2000s when it was um, turned into a secure training centre uh, with brand new buildings, um, in effect, a prison um, for uh, majority of them were juveniles really. Um, and then that, opened and then finally closed in 2015 and then was left empty. Um, in January, all of a sudden, out of the blue, it turned out that the Home Office wanted to turn it into um, an immigration detention centre at the time. It wasn't a remo removal centre, although they're technically the same kind of thing, but I'll come to that distinction a bit later on. Um, and uh, so some uh, Labour Party candidates in North West Durham had a briefing with Carl Marshall, who was then the uh, cabinet member concerns. So I'm next to a window. So if you hear any noise, that's from outside. It's not in the room. Um, where there were lots of things said. It turned out the Section 106 notice that was meant to come forward from Hose England for the site, because uh, it was meant to be knocked down and turned into housing with lots and lots of community sums. I think it would have been uh, initially about one and a half million pounds of investment within uh, Meadowsley Edge and then a bit wider. Um, and I think a, a quarter of a decade plan for things like the environment and looking after and stewardship basically for the, for the area. So new doctor surgeries, new um, teaching allocations, new, obviously new teachers, new housing. Um, so that was all quite exciting in lots of ways. Um, and then the Home Office came in, so well, actually Ministry of Justice still own the site so they can use it for whatever they want, basically. Because um, they, they hadn't uh, given or hadn't received notification from the Home Office that they hadn't got rid of it and that kind of stuff. So they basically took it back into the estate. Um, and so, yes, we kind of met for the first time. Um, and by we, I mean myself, Julie, uh, Bill McKeith from uh, what is now Oxford Against Detention, but was the, the anti-council campaign, uh, which Helen will touch on a bit later on. Um, and um, Sus Suzanne Fletcher from uh, Tees Valley Sanctuary, uh, at the very beginning of February, and then it's kind of exploded from there. So we've grown every week since then. Um, in terms of the site, there's been lots of things being said publicly that don't quite match up uh, to what is the truth. Um, and we were approached by um, the legal team from the Yarswood campaign 
um, to give us a bit, of a bit of a hand. And they put in an FOI on three things. Um, and it turns out that everything that was said in terms of the, this basically the, the site, uh, like I say, wasn't true. So um, it was decided in uh, October 2020 that the site would be used to house, in inverted commas, migrants. Um, and then the following month, so November, it would be specifically for women. Um, and then Homes England was kind of pushed to one side and the site given back to the MOJ. The slight problem being that in January, um, given the briefings and the conversations that DCC had with the Home Office, there, was, there were no guarantees on three things. Firstly, that it would be single sex. Um, secondly, that it wouldn't house children. And third, that if it was um, going to be mixed sex, that it would be segregated properly. And there are two distinct areas within the site where that could be feasible. Um, the problem for people like us is that um, if, for example, you're a woman who's been trafficked from, to pluck somewhere out of, the, out of the blue from Syria, there's a very high likelihood that you'll be faced with your own trafficker because the estate is, um, currently is being closed, or the immigration estate is uh, variously being closed down. Obviously, Napier is slightly different with what's going on today. But um, so the government policy, um, so certainly the law that uh, hasn't changed since 2016 is firstly to reduce the um, asylum estate and slash immigration uh, estate to reduce numbers of people in the estate and thirdly to have it done oh sorry people looked after within the community so prime example of that this was a um a sort of task force set, set up um two years ago um to look at community housing for uh people in the asylum system and in the immigration system um, and of all places, the Castle upon Tyne. So that was meant to have, I think, approximately 200 people a year um, to go through it. So they'll be in the community, um, looked after by people who wanted them to be there um, as their friends, as their, their neighbours, and potentially uh, working in, as volunteers in, in, in cafes. So a good example um, is in Glasgow. So there's a place there that uh, is specifically for women who... Um, have either been through the migration system or have been trafficked uh, are then given a volunteer job in a cafe um, so a similar kind of idea basically in, in, in council so um, that was meant to have like I say nearly 400 people go through it by the end of last month and that's been very quietly closed down and only had 20 people in it over the last 18 to 24 months um, so not only is the government policy to reduce the estate uh, but they're going against what they promised um, and every time we've pushed a bit and I mean on very simple things so um, the Ministry of Justice put up two very large signs at the entrance to uh, the prison um, which uh, Owen Temple who's on our uh, core group noticed were a bit bigger than the average of or normal sign to say what was going on um, so I reported it to DCC and they went through the process and it turned out it was basically far too big to anything but an advertisement. And they had to be taken down by the Ministry of Justice. Um, so when we did that, uh, Richard Holden came out um, and said, oh, the number of jobs is increasing. We're going to have lots and lots of millions of pounds worth of investment in the area um, for all these secure jobs. Um, and we all know full well they aren't secure. Um, and he's, he promised also on his, I think, um, in... March, he would advertise jobs at the site on his own uh, MP's um, Facebook page, and that hasn't happened. So since the end of March, or sorry, middle of March, um, they've advertised for 
centre manager and the initial advert actually said there are no requirements for qualifications at all. So he could come in from anywhere. He could come in from the prison system. He could come in from, well, from the education sector and just be plonked in and paid a, a massive wage for not doing very much, basically not understanding what's going on, the issues in, involved. Um, and there was no requirement for understanding the mental impact that um, detention has on women specifically either. Um, and that, that went out on, I think, um, a group that sort of linked with us on, on their social media, and then that was deleted. Um, so it looks like a normal thing that's going on. And then very quietly, um, even more quietly than uh, Holden's usual uh, quiet trick, um, Mighty were given the contract for the site, um, which is a slight issue on, on, on two fronts for me, um, in that they firstly have the contract for short-term asylum and immigration housing in Northern Ireland at Lord House. Um, and secondly, their non-exec director, Baroness Cootie, uh, sits in the House of Lords on the Tory benches. So of course there's no potential corruption there at all. Mm. Um, and then there's another sort of slight tangential issue really. Um, if you look at so the local politics that's going on, uh, obviously with the, the change in uh, the governing well, coalition of chaos, as it were, on TCC that, that's come in. Um, one of the current or new cabinet members, in fact, the one for equalities, ironically enough, um, Councillor Shield is a sitting councillor for emergency uh, and, and legate division. Um, and there hasn't been a single equalities impact assessment done for the change from holding men and boys to holding women putatively. Um, and a couple of people who've been involved with us have, have pushed on that uh, with Holden's office um, and also the, the, I was a bit facetious at one point before he blocked me obviously he blocks anyone who asks a basic question so um, I actually asked on his initial post do, do you know if the T's and C's for the workers at the site will be better or worse um, because it will be privately run uh, than in the public sector and he replied saying oh, I've got no idea and so anyway that, that's the one side um, and then uh, so that now um, we went on, myself, Julie and Owen Temple were actually interviewed at, at the site um, about what's been going on. And what we're not saying is, which is what Holden is saying we are, uh, is that we're not anti-detention in the sense that if somebody has been convicted, uh, whether they're a migrant, a seeker, or whatever, uh, of a crime that they've committed in the UK, they are dealt with by the prison system, not the immigration system. And that is what Holden is basically saying it's going to happen. They'll be all criminals. They'll all be overstayers of visa and that kind of stuff. And they won't. I mean, basic point is it just won't. People will be dumped there. And Napier Barracks is a very good example. I mean, obviously it's a slightly different thing because it's all men, but um, they just dump people there and they'll be there indefinitely. We're, we're the only country in the Council of Europe to not have a time limit on detention, whether that be asylum or immigration. Um, so I was going to ask because sorry to interrupt someone had put in the chat earlier saying um, is this like meant to be a temporary measure or is this going to be place them indefinitely but you've just answered that I can't believe that that's terrible well when weirdly enough um, when it all came forward it started off being a detention centre mm -hmm. uh, so it would have been a, an IDC rather, rather than an IRC um, but uh, that then very again very quietly changed to an immigration removal centre which brings with it slightly different connotations in terms of um, what can, oh sorry, should and shouldn't be done there, but what will happen. 
is that people will be taken from the streets without warning. I mean, I've got an example that uh, when I worked for Julie, uh, we saved somebody who was taken off the streets in, in Bury um, and removed down to Morton Hall, which is now kind of closed down, but then stayed open and all this kind of stuff, uh, without warning um, by um, home office employed people. So unlike with the actual estate, they employ people directly to bring people off the streets and then dump them in these places. Um, and it will be indefinite. Because um, a majority of people, I mean, I, I think over 50% of people who successfully challenge their detention, whether they're men or women or children, um, and go to a judicial review, have their claim agreed to by the judge in front of them. Um, and no matter what Richard Holden says about, oh, activist lawyers doing all this rubbish and pushing against the Home Office and having a secure board and that kind of stuff, no matter what happens in a, in a case, they get paid. They're not activists. They're there to apply the, the pure simple of human rights within the current law. So with the removal centre, you've got a slight, uh, obviously with Mighty coming in too, um, and also the regional politics with Ben Houch and buying Teesside airports, and this is a personal opinion, not necessarily one of, of, of our group, but um, my real worry is that if on the 30th of June, um, when you've got European citizens who haven't applied for settled status and haven't had it approved, they can be removed from anywhere within, in, within GB and NI to any part of the detention estate um, and then removed from the UK. And it, to me, it would appear that Teesside um, airport could be that airport to wherever, because we have no agreements with, uh, apart from it's one, I think it's cropped up today where they can, they can remove people to anywhere or from Europe to anywhere uh, within the European Union or elsewhere. So in terms of the campaign, uh, like I say, we're working with uh, Duncan Lewis, so the legal team. Um, I can't really go into details at the minute because things are still a bit fluid. So that's, that's on, on one side. Um, we're working with loads of different groups, whether that be National charities, so Women for Refugee Women have been really involved with what we're doing. Um, Avid Detention, um, who got us involved with the APPG on migration, and they put in uh, what they've been doing with us. Um, or really local charities like Mental Health Northeast, um, West End Refugee Service, uh, Northeast Against Racism, and all sorts of other people besides. And we've had a couple of people pick up uh, in the EU more broadly what we're doing as well um and I, I think because we've kind of got to this point where we're doing things like this now we've actually got a much broader reach of people who we can a uh, get involved in that kind of thing so we've just had a public facebook page set up which has been great because it's been much more about sharing rather than it being ensuring that we have the, the same message uh, given to everybody within the private group we've got the uh, website going um and it's it's suddenly become much more community-based rather than just being you're given something by us as a group and that kind of stuff. And that's, that's fantastic. So, so I've been a whistle stop store of what, what's been going on, but it's, um, th there's tons I could add in, but I won't at the minute because it's quite complicated. <laughs> so. I think it's so important. It's so, so important that you've got this campaign going and we've, we've had a couple of um, questions in the chat. So we've had one that says, um, do you think prison overcrowding has contributed to this? So I think they're talking about has contributed to people being like lifted off the streets and dropped in and, and, and things like that. No, Helen, Helen, do you can come in if you want? I was gonna say, not at all. I think that we've got to separate out what's happening here. So there are an extremely small number of asylum seekers and refugees, because remember, we have some of the smallest number 
of refugees and asylum seekers in the world. People think that we have huge numbers and we do not. So the people that should be detained, as Owen mentioned, who have committed crimes are a tiny, tiny proportion of the number of asylum seekers and refugees we have here and they should be in prison. These detention centres are all about people who have entered this country so-called now illegally because of the changes that have been made by this government, but many of whom have sought asylum and refugee status because they have been tortured, they've been subject to uh, uh, violence in their own countries, um, war, they come from countries where homosexuality is illegal, but they haven't been able to secure their refugee status and they are locked up in immigration detention centres. So it is a very separate subject in my head from people who have committed crimes that need to be in prison. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, so and then we've I, had... Sorry, go on, Julie. though, the government will want to conflate this, okay? So it's in the government's interests because what they want to do is to be seen to be tough on law and order and tough on border control. And they are purposefully confusing and conflating things because um, a lot of people, in order to understand about immigration law, um, and also about human rights laws and international norms on human rights. And um, generally you have to do a bit of reading and a bit of research. So the government are hoping that people don't have the time and the energy and um, even the will to do that. And it's in their interest to keep people confused and to conflate the issue. Yeah, I totally get that. They, they do that quite a lot, don't they? Like they do use misconceptions and it is like old school trickery. Like watch this way while I do this over here. It is, it's mind boggling. Um, so we've had another question. Um, Anthony asks, I'll not read all of it, I'll paraphrase. Um, are the people in these camps, military or not, um, detained or the whole time? Or can they go and like go to the cinema? Can they go and do their own shopping? Like, can they do anything like that? Or are they literally in the detention centre for the whole it's time? Out there? It's a type three prison. It's a, it's a category three prison. Let's, talk, let's call it what it is, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These people will be locked up. And if um, past history and experiences are anything to go by, um, they won't have access to a whole load of resources uh, which they should have access to. Um, um, you know, will suffer um, all kinds of emotional and psychological problems as a result. Yeah. Um, could I just give a little bit of um, political context? Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm Julie Ward and I was a Labour MEP for the northwest of England. I happened to live in County Durham and um, I was on the Women's Rights and Gender Equality Committee in the European Parliament. And we actually did a report on the specific vulnerabilities of women refugees. So my, um, my committee um, did extensive research into um, how we need to take um, particular care of women refugees because of their vulnerabilities. And as part of that, um, some I was involved in a delegation that went to look at best practice in terms of um, welcoming refugees, women refugees in Germany. And I use that word welcome because that's exactly what was happening. It wasn't arriving in this country and um, 
you know, uh, clap you in irons and lock you up and call you a criminal. It was actually a welcome. And there was um, on, so I went to Munich and there was um, a center there. It had been, um, I think it had been some kind of um, military establishment, but it was a, um, but it was all, it was like housing. So it was kind of all the housing. And they made this incredible place with a school, with medical facilities, with open spaces, with parks. The women and families could get on trams and buses and go into the town. And they also created social housing on this site for people who were homeless and who didn't, uh, who had, you know, who, who didn't, who couldn't, um, afford rent so they were doing some really good things socially for the existing problems um so um i what we've got in this country is basically a hostile environment that started under theresa may mm -hmm. and which has been ramped up increasingly by successive governments um and whipped up in the press so that it's um, it's it stokes racism effectively in the country, and so what Richard Holden said. So anybody who wants this this detention centre, this prison, what they talk about is oh that's what people voted for. They voted to have strong borders. They voted to kick out the illegals, and this is the language that they use. And it really plays into this rather horrendous racist agenda, which has been in, which has been happening in our country ever since Theresa May sent those awful vans around telling people to go home. Yeah. Um, I just want to also say how wonderful it is to hear the news today about Napier Barracks. Okay, Pretty Patel has broken the law again, right? She is a lawbreaker. And she is the Home Office Minister, right? And she's a lawbreaker. And what she wants to do is to change the laws so that she can carry on breaking international law. And one of the things that I'm really, really concerned about is our place in the world. We do have a history of welcoming refugees. I am descended from Huguenot refugees, which is the first wave, large wave of refu refugees that came to this country in the late 1700s. A group of um, French uh, refugees who were persecuted um, for their religious beliefs. And my ancestors ended up in Nottingham and they had lace making skills and they contributed to the economy and the wealth of that city. And if you know Nottingham, you will know that there is a lace market there. Mm -hmm. So our country has historically been a country that has welcomed refugees. And in fact, we all have um, in our history, our family histories, our histories of migration. The miners who, you know, the great mining history of County Durham is also a story of migration. And what we've got to do is to start talking about the reality of why people move, because people do not leave their homes, their countries, their family, their status, their work for, um, you know, they don't do that easily. It's a very difficult decision. 
Now, Owen mentioned that we've been working with women, refugee women, and Agnes Toner, who is a figurehead of that organization, now was in Yarlswood. Agnes worked for an MP in her home country in the Ivory Coast. And the refugees who come to this country span the whole breadth of socioeconomic background. We have professionals who are doctors, teachers, academics, business leaders, you know, people that we need in this country to help us get back up on our feet again. The kind of people that my ancestors were who brought those incredible skills to this country. And I think it's really important that we stop talking about people as illegals and criminals and start talking about them as people who are seeking asylum because they are fleeing violence and unsustainable lives. And I want to put unsustainable lives in there because climate refugees is also a massive issue now. And we haven't got a grip on that at all, I have to say. And we don't, in fact, have a refugee crisis in Europe. We never had ha have had a refugee crisis in Europe. We've had a crisis of solidarity. And yet we've seen some countries do so much more than other countries. And Helen pointed out, we take a very, very small proportion of refugees here. And... Um, so the government agreed to take some Syrian refugees, not very many, and it was pushed by people like Alf Dubs to take unaccompanied minors. And it had to be dragged, kicking and screaming in order to agree that, put a cap on it, and then decided just to get rid of the programme. So we do not play our part as an international partner in the... Um, in the resettlement, in the welcoming and the resettlement of vulnerable people. Women face, face violence on every stage of their journey. They are leaving because of violence. They are then subject to violence on their dangerous journeys. Um, they may experience that many of them are fleeing sexual violence and they experience even more sexual violence on the journey. And then they arrive in their destinations and they're subject to trafficking. Awful things happen at many of the borders. And then they arrive in this country and then they're treated like common criminals when actually what they need is for us to hold out the hand yeah. and to be the sanctuary that we really, really should be. Um, and whilst we're not in the EU anymore, we are still in the Council of Europe. And we are the only country in the Council of Europe, and that Council of Europe includes Turkey and Belarus, I might mention, okay, who are not doing very well on a whole load of other human rights issues, but we're the, we're the only country in the Council of Europe that uses indefinite detention. And I found a human rights um, committee report that the Council of Europe had written in 2018 on alternatives to detention. And there are pages of suggestions of different ways of, um, uh, of dealing with people while they wait for due process through the courts. 
And those alternatives would allow people to lead much better lives with um, families. Um, there's a, I mean, I can share, I'll share the link for the report for those who want to look at it. But the report also talks about the cost of detention as well. And we have the most expensive detention system in the Council of Europe because we lock people up and it costs the taxpayer loads of money. So this is not even you know, good in conservative, conservative politics to be spending so much money um, when we are at the end of a pandemic facing, you know, um, Brexit-induced economic fallout with the double whammy of the pandemic. So I think we have to attack the Tories um, on their own issues by coming at them with the evidence that we've been looking at in our campaign group. That's brilliant. And we've got everybody in total agreement with you in all of the comments. And I think personally, I think it's a massive oxymoron, isn't it really? Like the Tories not bothered about their money. <laughs> it seems pretty hard to believe. Um, so we've had a question from Kat. Say something else. Yeah, they, these contracts will be given to, the, to mates, to friends. Of course they will. Cronyism. Owen has already pointed that out. That's where these contracts are going. Hmm. When will it, and, and I do, I do understand, you know, when will it stop? And like, I do feel like the campaign should just be the start of it. And I think every, if everybody hears about it more and catches the truth and isn't taken in by all of the shakeup of the lies and things, you know, I, I do hope that more people help and do step up and say that it's not right. Um, so we've had a question from Kat and she says, do you think we can make that part of our personal collective submissions to the government's women health st strategy? consultation i'll read that well, again. i think you're talking about the the new plan for immigration and there yeah. was a consultation on that and all the members of our core team we did extensive detailed um submissions i think mine was about seven and a half thousand words long um fiona ransom who works with us who's very who's an expert in immigration and asylum matters um, did the research first she read the whole document and pulled it apart and it's a very divisive document it, and again it does this uh, deliberate conflation and mixing up of different terms it um, uses and misuses statistics um, and um, asked yes no questions or multiple choice questions yeah. which were a trap um, to get people to agree with what the government want to do. I think we've got to keep up the pressure, actually. And even though that consultation has closed, there will be other opportunities for people to make their, um, to make their distaste and uh, known. Yeah. Um, Jen asks, how much time is there left before the government wants it to open? It keeps on changing. Um, and it keeps on changing based on uh, how much pressure is applied and where. Um, so it was meant to open originally in April. That was then pushed back to the summer and then pushed back to the late autumn um, and then kind of changed again into August, but it's now back into October. Um, and it's one, one thing I forgot to mention on the Category C style 
imprisonment, which I think will probably bring in a bit of what of Helen's experience at, um, at Countsfield. But uh, the one thing that really did shock me about the briefing that we had um, was not just the segregation of people if it's going to be mixed sex, but all of the people at the site will be refused under the Home Office guidance visitation rights. And that's not just wow. people going in like befrienders at Yarl's Wood or Campsfield. It includes um, legal visits. Um, so when you think, I mean, think of when you went to Morton Hawks, I noticed the Category C question a bit earlier on. Um, I, I mean, it, it affected me horribly and still does. And it's, you were taken from a house at the front of Morton Hall, covered in, in, in bars and all sorts. So no window had proper natural light coming in because it was all kind of filtered through through bars. Um, and then you were taken through the proper front gate and had to go through four separate and distinct locked doors that were open for you and then locked behind you. You were made to leave your belongings, including your watch and your rings in a, in a locker, and then taken through another couple of doors that were locked or whatever. Um, and then dropped into an um, interview room next to a room that, ironically enough, had furnishings that were basically the colours of UKIP, so purple and, and gold. Um, and then the warders, which they are basically warders, but paid privately rather than for the public sector, um, went to get the person that we were meeting. And you could hear them going down the corridor to this person's room, locking all of the gates behind them and then opening the door and bringing him, bringing him in. And the thing that really sticks with me is how mentally destroyed this person was so they'd gone from being really involved with their community they had a great family they were just about to as it turned out um their partner was pregnant but um it's about to start their own family properly uh, they're involved with their mosque they're involved with all the different community groups that kind of thing and really confident person who'd come from pakistan and whatever uh, initially um and it took about 20 minutes for this person to look either myself or Julian in the eye, they were that destroyed by it. And I think that's the thing that really sticks with me. And, and it's why it's important that the, the experience from Countsfield is, is used properly and effectively because it it changed government policy and, and Helen's a person to talk about that more, more than me, so. Yeah, can I, can I just ask one quick question before we hear from Helen? Because I know that she's got loads of medical experience. Um, is there any chance that there, there could be, you know, like a married couple be sent in and separated? Almost certainly. And the, and the, and the thing that's really worrying is women and their children. Yeah, of course. Um, so it's in this country. So I one of the my most recent experiences is when I was still working as a GP in Gateshead is we had families there who had been picked up twice over with young children who'd had a knock on the door at four in the morning. Um, these families sit there with bags packed with all of their details that they need to, uh, to take with them by their front door. These are people living in your communities, often working in your churches, but if they don't have refugee status, they live in constant fear of being picked up at four in the morning, separated as families and being put into these prisons. That's absolutely horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. So, um, so, so uh, Kat, just looking at the chat, Kat was just saying, Julie was talking about the consultation around immigration and women's health, that I think there's also a separate consultation going on around women's health generally. And I think, yes, 
it should still be possible to put a submission in specifically around the detention of women. Um, as Julie alluded to, women for refugee um, women have got a really good set of synopsis around the fact that something like 85 to 86% of women who seek asylum in this country have already been raped, tortured, subject to trafficking or to female genital mutilation. Um, and then <clears throat> if you look at the Medical Justice website, which is the group that I worked with when I was going into Campsfield, they have some really excellent reports around the effect of detention on the mental health of people who are detained. And there's a very good summary from the Royal College of Psychiatrists around why people who've been subject to torture and violence as most of these um, women and very many of the men who um, seek asylum um, um, here are why they should not be detained in, the in these type of detention center stroke uh, prisons. Um, there is a lot of questions in the chat, but I'd like you to sort of touch on um, more of the mental health issues sort of arising, for, arising from detention centres. Like, um, have you have you been to any of your of the detention centres? Or... Okay. So I was um, a GP in Oxford. I've been in the northeast a long time, and there are two bits to this I want to touch on. Mm -hmm. The bit about what places like Campsfield, which is the one I know best and I probably visited and did reports for about 40 odd men when I worked down there but also the effect of the Medemsley Detention Centre which is what Hassockfield used to have on the surrounding area and the men the young men who were detained there. So the first thing is that I was um, a GP in Oxford and doing a lot of work with refugees and um, Campsfield was a detention centre for um, men and, and what we have to remember is that, uh, so, and I saw 30 or 40 men there. At that stage, Campsfield um, was being run by G4S, but as a local GP working as a volunteer with groups like Medical Justice, I could visit people. So I was allowed to go in, I was allowed to see um, the men that were in there um, and um, examine them and do reports that would then go forward as part of their sub, um, application for um, asylum and refugee status. I did not see one man in Campsfield who had had a criminal record. The men that I saw were men who had spoken out in their own country. So done things like I do on the monument on a regular basis when talking about the NHS, which is my other passion. Um, I saw men who were gay, who'd been terrorized in their own country because we have to remember that homosexuality is still a crime in many, uh, many um, countries. Um, I saw men who'd been involved in police service and in the army who had spoken out and then been locked up and tortured. Under our own laws, nobody who was at seeks asylum who has been tortured should be locked up. All of those men uh, um, had been tortured in uh, uh, one way or another. Many had physical scars, but almost all of them had mental um, um, health issues. It is very clear that when you lock people up, and it was interesting the question earlier about going to the cinema, and I was just thinking that corollary probably with um, the um, Young Offenders Institutes and things, 
there is none of that that went on 10 years ago. And the regime is much, much stricter. As Judy described, these were prisons. I had to go in, I was searched, my medical bags were searched. I would be taken into the um, medical center. There would be a particular room that I was able to use and um, interview um, people. And then I would be escorted out. These men did not leave that detention center once they um, entered until they were given um, uh, bail um, or kept very occasionally leave to remain or they were forcibly um, removed. And that's a whole is other issue around what's going on about people being forcibly removed, which Julie touched on. And I think you're right around local airports being used. Mental health, uh, the uh, mental health uh, aspects of immigration is very um, well established and it consistently finds that a very negative impact on the detention um, on mental health of uh, detainees. The longer people are in detention, the worse their mental um, health gets. Um, it's an independent factor for post-traumatic stress disorder. So many people who were seeking asylum and uh, refugee status here already have PTSD because of what they've been through. Putting me into our immigration detention centre is an extra factor um, on top of that. Um, and even after release, that extra effect um, uh, will persist over um, uh, three years. Um, and of course, putting people in detention and often in solitary confinement is often a huge reminder of their own experience of torture. Um, so whether that's um, waterboarding, whether it's electrical torture, whether it's a common one in Africa is Balaka where people get beaten on the soles of their feet because that's very difficult scars to actually pick up. All of those things are re that people are re-traumatised by being locked up in our detention centre. There's a lot less um, literature around women because we haven't locked up as many women and also far fewer women actually come and seek asylum and refugee status because as Julie said, it's a huge, huge decision to leave the place that you live in order to travel to another company, country, a massive decision for people. Women make that decision less often. Obviously we know about people being trafficked um, and we are seeing these traumatized women now being locked up. So a massive issue. The other thing I'd like to just touch on is the whole issue around Medemsley, because that was what Hassocks Field was. That has a horrendous history. And for me, um, I've looked after men. So I came back from um, Oxford because I got homesick for the Northeast, although I'm not born here, I've been here 40 years. And I've looked after some of the young men who are now middle-aged, who were at, at um, Meadowell, who were abused, who were raped by the warders in Medemsley. And that is a terrible, uh, terrible legacy, not just for those men, but for that whole area as a whole. And I think there was something that was incredibly hopeful about changing that site into something that's positive. I think people like Richard Holden, Holden really do not understand how traumatizing it is for that community mm -hmm. to go through that again. And in particular, for those men who went through Medinsley, many of whom still suffer from really severe post-traumatic um, stress um, disorder um, that are still in many of our mental um, health, um, uh, much of our mental health system now. I'll stop there. I could go on for a lot longer. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? I think it's. I think that the whole thing's absolutely terrible. Um, 
we've had a lot of questions, but I wanted to ask you something. Um, and I'll I'll go back to the chat in a second. So with Richard Holden and the Tories, and you know, and the, the way that they're putting this media spin on it, um, do you think that it's causing for members of the public to sort of become detached to things like like detention centres and, and immigration um, laws and things like that, because people don't want to get involved? Like what, so if people do want to get involved and they, and they want to sort of help, what, what can people do to help you? Do you want to answer that, Julie? Unmute. <laughs> Just talk about some of the amazing groups that we're working with, okay? Um, uh, we're working with a lot of different faith groups, interfaith groups, multi-faith groups. And um, there was a there was a vigil a couple of weekends ago um, with um, a, a program, a service with um, uh, uh, clerics from different faith um, organizations all kind of writing a kind of statement about why this shouldn't happen. And mm -hmm. um, we do know, you know, we have a lot of different um, churches around the area. And I think particularly during times of austerity and the pandemic, these churches have been very, very active in their communities in terms of things like food banks and, you know, giving counselling and social, you know, trying to befriend people. Mm -hmm. So it was incredibly heartening to see this um, interfaith vigil take place and to read um, the words that people were, were, you know, that these faith leaders were effectively saying to the faith communities. And I think that is, um, I think that is the good way for people. I'm not a person of faith. I don't need to have a faith leader tell me that this is wrong. But I do think that here in the Northeast of England, we are not very used to detention centers. They've been very far away. You know, we, we know about prisons. We've got a lot of prisons here, um, but we don't know very much about detention centers. And um, even refugee families that have been coming haven't been coming in large numbers. And um, the uh, local authority officers that have been tasked with integrating those people have been doing it on, in a very kind of slow step-by-step -step way. So I think that there needs to be, um, that there needs to be some community projects really. In fact, City of Sanctuary could be one of them. So one of our core members, Suzanne Fletcher, and I know she's watching tonight, she's very active in um, Tees Valley City Sanctuary. I worked for um, the national network City of Sanctuary on a COVID emergency response project. And so there's a Durham City of Sanctuary, but I, City of Sanctuary also, um, asks, for example, churches to be churches of sanctuary, or um, I used to work in the arts, so you could be a theatre company of sanctuary, for example, you can be a school of sanctuary, you know, they, they're just setting up gardens of sanctuary, businesses of sanctuary, shops of sanctuary, and it's a great movement because it, it's about, the theory of change is about contact and is about learning. And um, I think that's what we haven't had here in the northeast of England. We've been, particularly in Durham, we've been very far away from all of these problems. And so it's been easy 
for people like Richard Holden and the right-wing newspapers to tell lies to people who um, haven't had that kind of um, personal contact. So if people are interested, they should look at the City of Sanctuary website, they should start thinking about the community groups that they're involved with, and they should see how they can begin to establish these places of sanctuary. And because when our government decided that it wasn't going to do its fair shouldering the responsibility of um, refugees that were fleeing violence and persecution and unsustainable lives, civil society um, grassroots movements like City of Sanctuary went, okay, the government says it's not going to give sanctuary, but we're going to make our city, our town, even our local authority, a place of sanctuary ready for when people do come. And um, I think one of the things that we could do, which would be quite challenging for the current administration at Durham County Council, is to suggest that the local authority becomes a local authority of sanctuary, okay? And I know several that have already done that, and that would be very testing, actually, wouldn't it, for some of the people now who've got themselves elected to be public representatives because of the pressures there from the church and from the schools and the teachers and the students and businesses, you know, and a whole range of different people from different walks of life. Actually, what would they turn around and say? We're not going to be a local authority of sanctuary. We don't want to do that. I think it's a very compelling um, a very compelling offer, actually. And if we could get more involved in that, then uh, I think we would um, we could win we could win the argument, actually, which is what we need to do. You know, we need to win the argument so that when Richard Holden posts his horrible stuff on his Facebook page, there's a lot of people who are telling him that he's lying, and there's a lot of people saying, actually, you don't speak for me and for us and for our children. It's a great idea. I'll take it to, I'll take it to county. Mm. <laughs> um, I think it's a great idea. And we've we've been looking at ways to um like engage, like in our area, we've been looking at ways to engage like the age of kids where it doesn't seem there doesn't seem to be anything for them, you know, like sort of 13 to 16 year old types. And we've been thinking about me and John's been thinking about um like could we maybe have a, a garden, like a community garden or anything like that? But I think if we, I think if we did something like a, a garden of sanctuary or try and did like a community of sanctuary, I think that would tie in really well. I'll definitely press it. Like, I think it's a great idea. I'll speak to you more about it, Julie. It's really good. There's also Refugee Week coming up as well. And again, that's a great moment to remember all the incredible refugees who've made our country what it is, who've met, who are patriotic British people who were welcomed here, you know, and have been inventors and business people and leaders and innovators and, you know, good people, good people who've contributed. So look for Refugee Week as well and the amazing events that will be coming up. And actually, if people just start to think, start to understand about that, what I was talking about earlier about patterns of migration and you know and understand how this is normal human behavior you know it it's it's in your instinct to take care of yourself and your and your vulnerable family members isn't it that's a natural instinct we would all do that 
Yeah, I do. I, I do think that some, sometimes people need to take a second, almost like a second look on it. Like it isn't just about you. It's it's about everybody. And as someone in the chat earlier put, you know, any one of us could find ourselves in that situation. And can you imagine being torn apart from your family? Like, I do think that we need to think about that in a sense of look after everybody and treat someone how you want to be treated. Um, sorry, sorry Owen, I cut no, you off there. Yeah. Can I jump in just very quickly? There's loads of different things that cropped up in my mind, but... um. One thing that has been quite interesting, and obviously we've been talking about Richard Holden as the MP and that kind of stuff, because that's unfortunately what he is, but his language has changed very subtly recently. Um, and it's moved away from pushing the jobs line, pushing the money, pushing that kind of stuff to, oh, it's all opposition activists. So he's lumping all of these people who are against detention for asylum seekers and um, immigrants into this one category. And at the same time that appeared, um, we had René Kassan, which is UK's Jewish human rights charity, come forward and say, look, we want to help you. Um, and I mean, not to kind of go into the internet so the different traditions within the uh, Jewish faith, but within half an hour of them getting in touch, they'd managed to link together the ultra-Orthodox community in Gateshead with the um, liberal and reform uh, community and Rabbi Sybil um, in Jesmond, which I think from what... Rachel Vogler, who's their organiser, said, was a first. These people have come together because of what the government's doing. And so lumping all, all of us together as opposition activists or the usual people is really helpful. So we can go and be in the community, that kind of thing. But um, there's a couple of things that Helen mentioned about um, the community at, at Bedhamsley, that one person who has requested to remain anonymous got in touch very, very early on. Uh, it must have been um, middle of February. And said the moment that he heard that, um, that the site was going to be reused for detention, his nightmare starts again. Um, and so he had to go into his own community. I mean, he lives in Glasgow now, all places. Um, but he had to go in, into his community to find safety. And people welcomed him in because he was frightened more than anything else because people might experience the same kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I think because that's what's being promised, there's lots we can do together. As, a, as individuals, as groups, or as people who are um, connected more, even globally, uh, and, and very simple things, so whether that's with people of faith or not, but it's, it is quite interesting that he's pushing this sort of opposition activist line. Um, and the one thing he hasn't mentioned, and I, we've actually not mentioned so far, um, is that County Durham, I mean, bear in mind, it's what, 1,100 square miles give or take uh, the, um, the actual size of it um, uh, by geographical area. It has the, the lowest number of suitably qualified legal representatives in the country. Um, and when you get picked up from the streets, you have 14 days to apply for bail, have that JR go in, and then have that done in your, granted in your favour. So if, for example, you're picked up in, um, well, let's say Belfast and, and then put into Larn House, um, you have 14 days from the moment you enter into the, the system. So basically, as soon as you get in the car um, to put that in. But if you are then moved between Lawn House to Glasgow or Manchester short term holding centres, that could take as much as four days so that they've got four days of psychological trauma working out whether or not they'll be moved or, or whatever. Um, and then you will then move from uh, Glasgow or Manchester to Hassockfield. That's basically nearly two thirds of the time gone by the time you get to Hassockfield for them to apply for this. So you're basically removed without any legal uh, redress. 
Um, and the, the thing that really disturbed me beyond um, the case that we had was that they would use that threat of a flight out of the UK to keep people as a supplicant to the system, not as somebody who has been physically or mentally damaged in the process of arriving in the UK, whether that be through torture or whatever. Um, and this constituent said, look, I, I, he phoned, phoned his wife. Um, in the one hour he had a day of free time outside of his cell, because it's not a room, it's a cell. They're locked in. Um, and he said, look, I've, I've got, they've given me this ticket eight o'clock tomorrow morning um, from Heathrow in this instance. I mean, he'd be moved to Gatwick at one point as well. Um, and they'd given it to him in this, um, in Morton Hall. Um, so he, he just went quiet. He didn't speak to anybody. Um, and then they can then be removed from the detention centre uh, in inverted commas at any time of day or night. So it could be four in the morning or it could be 6 p.m. And they're left in the truck basically until they get to where they're going to. So um, it's not just the physical impact of being detained, but that mental threat of being removed from the UK, whether or not you've done something that you should have done like overstay a visa or just because you are within the hostile environment here incorrectly based on the government's own terms. There's, there's lots of different things that people don't see. So um, that removal, like I say, can be done at any time of day. And it's not done in a um, sort of camper van type thing. It's a prison van. Um, and again, they're, they're basically checked out of uh, where they're held, put into this van and locked in until they're unlocked and put into this place, for example, at Heathrow, where you go from solitary confinement into a shared, potentially mixed sex cell prior to being removed. Um, and the, the, I mean, the, the constituent said, look, I had no privacy. We had to share a toilet. We shared a shower. Um, and I couldn't phone my partner to say this is what's going on until this person had gone to the, the shower block, whatever it was. Um, and again, there was no, no time to himself. Um, and it just that the impact of not just a removal threat, but also being put into a a cell with somebody you don't know who could be a trafficker, who could be physically, verbally, or psychologically abusive to you in a 24 hour period, just before you go into the plane. Um, and that happened three times to this person. Um, and it happens innumerable times across the UK. Um, and I think uh, there's something else. Oh, one, one thing on the community aspect that um, if it does open and there is no visitation rights and befriending is not allowed and that kind of thing, one thing that Fiona was really good at suggesting and, and encouraging people to do is go into the OIST training. So um, there's, I think there's three levels where you um, go in initially and you can advise people uh, in a safe space, what their rights and that kind of stuff. And then level three is your, your own advice and you can help them and that kind of stuff. So um, because we have so few uh, people who are properly qualified to advise, that OIST training could be really helpful as a community thing um, and bringing in people who have experience of um, the system, whether that be workers um, from Hatterby Training Centre who want to uh, do something, or us as members of the public who want to get involved and do, do anything. And, and I think with the faith groups coming on side um, and, and working with us, it's been amazing because it's brought all of these different people who wouldn't necessarily want to be involved, um, not just to help with the campaign, but they start talking. And when they start talking, that's when Richard Holden can't, can't cope. Because there's one comment that I noticed um, about getting Bishop Paul to the Bishop of Durham 
involved and we requested via the bishop's office um, that Richard Holden come to public meeting um, chaired by the Bishop of Durham um, and it was meant to be beginning of May and Richard Holden refused and I, I think I know why and it's probably because his constituents would be there and they would ask awkward questions and it's because we've been talking that we can ask awkward questions and we shouldn't be afraid of that so that's the end of my bit but, um, but yeah anything and everything just do it. Yeah go on Helen jump in. I was going to say it was interesting at Campsfield because Oxford has because it has a lot of um, healthy, retired, middle-aged white people. It has the best community sector I have ever met. That Oxfam is Oxford against famine. So around Campsfield, there were lots of different voluntary sector groups. And so if somebody arrived in Campsfield, that we're talking 10 years ago, um, where there would be at least three different groups that would be notified, um, that would then get support into that person, would try and get them legal representation. It was recognised within um, Campsfield and the staff were aware that they, that they needed to ensure that um, people had been notified. All of that is um, under current Tory legislation has now gone. As Owen and Julie have said, no visitation rights means that somebody like me as a volunteer doctor would not be able to go in to see somebody. Somebody from uh, Bell for Immigration Detainees would not be able to go in and see people. Um, and I think as Owen has just said, there is very good reasons why they're very interested in Medlamsley um, in terms of its geographic isolation, but completely being within a community that is just doesn't have that kind of voluntary sector set up at all um, uh, around that prison. So I think we need to fight to try and stop it from opening. But I do think there is something about beginning to skill people up so that if it does open, that we can put real pressure on. Um, so I think that's what we should be doing. My big worry is, and somebody had asked about the Tory MPs, and the problem is that with the Tory government with a huge majority, that's going to be very difficult. It, there were six Tories that um, voted in the, um, the um, last parliament. The Lords had amended um, the bill around unaccompanied child refugees, and only six Tories voted against it. David Davis, David Amos, Tim Lawton and uh, Remy Chisty were four that I can, I can see. But the problem is with such a huge majority, my big fear, and I'm sure many others is, this will open. So we really need to continue to fight, continue to do all the things we've just talked about, but also begin to think about how we gear ourselves up to really tr start to try and provide protest about this um, um, place opening, but also the, the, the um, groups that will be needed to try and support people who'll be there. That's great, thank you. Um, the other thing I've, what I found earlier on, because um, I was just going on your website again, so I'm going to drop the website into the uh, into the chat. And I love the section that you've got, you know, um, what can you do to help? And then you've listed um, Richard Holden's um, contact details. So if any of our viewers or members want to contact Richard Holden and tell him what you think about the uh, North Hassock Field campaign and whether you agree with it or not, um, I'll drop... I'll drop the website in now um, just so you all can engage with them and tell them what a wonderful idea it isn't. Um, I'm trying to think, I'm just trying to quickly have a look and see if anyone else has asked any more questions. Um, Mary says, in my opinion, Richard Holden is doing this for his personal agenda to make him look good to his followers. 
Um, it's dog whistle racism is what it is. It's dog whistle racism. It's this is how populism works and it, it plays on people's fears and people are afraid. People are afraid for their, you know, we're in, we're in, we're, we're, we're dealing with multiple crises. It's a, it's a, um, you know, an awful historic moment for the world and, and people are rightly very scared. Um, but opening a detention centre for vulnerable women won't fix the problems that people have, are actually facing on the ground, you know, about education, about the health service, about, you know, about local facilities that they really, really need. And when Richard Holden talks about decent jobs, um, he's also lying because these will not be decent jobs at all. Right, they won't be decent jobs. They'll be. Um, already, we've already said that the contracts will be given to the Tories' um, mates, you know, in return for donations. Um, and we can expect to see um, a whole load of firms and contractors in there that don't uphold workers' rights, for example. Yeah. You know, we should be fighting this on lots of different levels. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much. Um, we should continue to dig to find out how Richard Holder, how much money Richard Holder and, and his family and his mates are making from it. Because I think if we dig deep enough, that is the culture at the moment and uh, he will be making money from it somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, Anthony's just commented and said, aren't detention centres another name for concentration camps? It, they, they are, and I think it's terrific that we are accepting that yeah. this is an okay thing to happen in our country. Um, this is not um, Nazi Germany. This is not Thailand. This is not South America. This is County Durham. We should be horrified. And we need to get that message across to all of our friends, our neighbours. Um, this is 0.29% of the UK population is an asylum seeker or a refugee. Um, we do not have small, small numbers in this country, but we are now um, have a population that believes it's a massive problem. It is not. And as Julia said, throughout our history, refugees and immigrants have bought so much, have delivered so much, that really is what we need to be um, building on. Sorry. No, that's great. Thank you very much. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out I'm going to read out your website and then um, we'll take any last comments and questions um, and then we'll say goodnight. So, Julie, is there anything that you'd like to finish up on? Um, I would say um, get yourself, learn about this issue. Let, read and learn as much as you can. Um, I went into politics never having been a politician, but it didn't mean that I couldn't find out about things, you know, We've got an online, we've got a world of online information and it, it's not difficult to find out about, I'm interested in human rights norms and I was, I did a lot of work on human rights when I was an MEP and I'm so proud of the work that my office did and the work that Owen did when we took on cases to stop people being deported. But I don't have, I'm a theatre maker, I'm a poet. But I care about people and about human rights and about vulnerable people. And I just made it my business to find out about, you know, what are the norms? There's also the UN 
So the United Nations also has a convention on refugees and um, the current Secretary General, um, Antonio Gutierrez, used to be the Prime Minister of Portugal, actually, and he's a fantastic Secretary General and he is working in very difficult circumstances, you know, when we've got countries like like the UK that's not really playing ball, you know, wants to do um, a lot of things unilaterally as opposed to multilaterally. Um, uh, but it's, it's not difficult to find out about the different charters and conventions that we have signed up to and the different organizations that we are party to, which is why I talked about the, the Council of Europe. And once you start to look and you see where, where we are as a country, you know, um, moving further and further and further away from that position um, as a country that stands up for human rights, I think it's very, very concerning. Um, so this is a time I've, I've discovered over the past year in lockdown, you know, it's been a time of education for me. You know, I've had, you know, it's difficult to do things, to meet people, to go out. But actually there's any number of really interesting online events and different online campaigns. And what you're doing here today with the Socialist Think Tank, where we can learn and skill ourselves up and be ready for the fight that's coming. Because as Helen pointed out, sadly, the Tories have a huge majority and they're rewriting the new plan for immigration so that Pretty Patel can do what the hell she likes and she won't be breaking the law because she'll have made new laws which um, put people at even more risk. So this isn't, um, I think for me, we're fighting Hassock Field, but we also have a bigger fight on our hands and that is about the Tories ongoing hostile environment that they have created against anybody who is other. I totally agree. I totally agree. I think it's everyone's business, isn't it? I, I mean, I, I would definitely hold my hands up and say I'm not the most educated on um, detainment centres or immigration centres or anything like that. But the minute you start reading about it and the minute you start actually talking to people about it, it's it's horrendous. And it is it is about not listening to the media and like and just going and speaking to people. Um, Owen, is there anything that you'd like to end on? Um, just a couple of things. Um, the barrister that we um, used in inverted commas um, in 2019 um, is on Twitter. And if you ever need any or if you've got any questions or you want to know what the process is for judicial reviews in terms of what goes on, um, Jane Haybrook uh, lives down in London. I think she's in Jeremy Corbyn's constituency. Um, she's amazing. She'll answer any questions you've got, um, whether they be whether you think they're silly or too complicated, and she'll come back with you to with loads of different things. So follow her. She's um, Zero Calamity uh on on twitter or cremon communard uh with a hashtag um activist lawyer which is great um and also i think finally um one of our biggest supporters from the start has been alf dubs um and and i'll finish on this because the um the one thing that he said that is really important and as julie just said about the different um pieces that we're signing up to is that no one is illegal and we can't forget that no one is illegal. Yep, great. Helen? 
and I would just say that I think despite the majority I think Hassocksfield is something that we could stop I think there are so many things here and this is a potential fight that if enough people get involved if enough people um, question Richard Holden and what is going on and give it publicity I think it is something we could stop um, and in a time when it feels like there's so much from the left it feels like we can't change at the minute this is a very active campaign that it is absolutely worth getting involved in and one of the things that keeps me going is one of the my overriding memories at um campsfield with medical justices had um, worked with a couple of guys that we managed to get bail for and i went from seeing them in a cell in campsfield to the following week then being in parliament with us actually speaking to Alf Dubs and a whole group of other MPs and talking about their story and going from being prisoners to being proud men who had been tortured in their own country because they'd spoken out against the policies. And there they were in our House of Commons. It was such an amazing moment. And then we went to the pub afterwards and they just loved every minute of it. And for me, that was the whole humanity around, as owners just said, nobody's illegal. These are people and most, almost all, certainly all the ones I've ever met of people who can't asylum um, and refugee status leave their own countries because there is something terribly, terribly wrong in what is happening there. So it's believe in the humanity, but also I do think that stopping us from having this detention centre is something that's winnable. So please do educate yourselves, but have a good look at those things you can do. Please question Richard Holden. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I've dropped it in and I've just seen that Laura's dropped his email address in as well. So, you know, it's available. Um, I don't know if you're aware, just 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 to end on something. So there's a couple of people in the chat talking about, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm a Lib Dem. Thank you for letting me listen in. Um, I haven't disagreed with anything that the panellists have said. And, you know, she wants to say that she's glad that this is a cross party campaign for everybody in all parties to be involved in. Um, you know, regardless of their political background. And then someone else has commented and said, you know, well, when it comes to treating people as we would wish to be treated, party politics doesn't really come into it and we should, you know, treat humans humanly. Um, and there's something that I would just like to end on. So, you know, the Durham County Council Coalition of Chaos, if, if any of the, the joint administration would like to stand independently and say, no, this is not a good idea. And, you know, we do need to stop this. Then, you know, we should all be doing that together. We should not be sat in bed with the Tories making plans. We should be out there and we should be stopping it. Um, I just wanted to bring it up because it was like teetering around in the chat. Um, and I just think, you know, if, if we're gonna, if we're gonna talk about it, we might as well talk about it properly. So. But I will, I will definitely be in touch, Julie, about some sort of um, City of Sanctuary idea. I love it. It's really good. Um, so I'd just like to say thank you very much for you all for coming on. Um, if you want to go to the No Hassock Field website, um, I've dropped it in the chat a couple of times. And also feel free to email Richard Holden. Um, don't forget, so if you're on YouTube, you can subscribe. If you're on Facebook, you can like and share. We're available on Twitter as well. Um, you can also become a member for free if you visit our website www.socialthinktank.com um, and we'll say goodnight to the members and the viewers but if everyone could just stay on the line then we'll say goodnight as well okay so thank you very much for everybody for watching and we'll see you soon we'll
the red flag flying here.